Hello, my lovelies. I hope you're listening closely because I'm about to come through with the juiciest of announcements. I don't know about you, but I am so sick and tired of Zoom learning and virtual connections. That is why I am so excited to announce that we have just opened applications for 25 badass women in business to join us in Miami in 2022 for the very first ever Momentum Personal Branding and Business Retreat. Yes, you heard me right. We go into Miami. But first, let's get something straight. This is not a rah-rah retreat or a conference. Momentum is a personal brand building experience. It's a three and a half day hands-on training where we get to work. I am partnering with some of the top experts in the game. I'm talking marketing, social media, PR, intellectual property, branding. And over the weekend together, we are going to show you how to position yourself as a captivating industry leader who gets those premium paying clients and aligned speaking opportunities without a huge following or hiring an expensive PR team. Basically, we about to bust your personal brand into the next stratosphere. Plus, you're going to enjoy a luxe venue with Miami vibes, get that deck swag bag filled with pampering and business goodies, pose for a stack of juicy new lifestyle headshots, and of course, mouth-watering eats and treats that demand to be shown over on the gram. My favorite part is I've created the juiciest personal brand playbook that you're going to be able to fill out on the spot so when you leave, you are ready to implement with strategy, confidence, and ease. So if you've been waiting for a sign that it's time to level up your presence and unleash your industry expertise, then this is the invitation that you have been waiting for. So here's the thing. We have limited spots available because we want to create this curated experience for every single one of you who get into that room. So once the spots are gone, they be gone. So if you know you want to be there, just visit bit.ly forward slash momentum retreat. Now let's get in to the episode. What I had to learn was what I really loved was the moment where I would sit down and I would actually talk through, here's why I've chosen to do this. Here's why this works. And then I would watch the client's eyes pop out of their head and go, oh, that's so smart. So wait, if I write this like that, that means that, of course, silly, naive me, I would then just sit there in the handover meeting telling them how to write and edit their own copy moving forward. And then, of course, if follow-up questions will come of, oh, okay, so how can I get more people to actually opt into this? Or I'm booking loads of sales calls now that I've got this email campaign running, but how do I actually convert them? All of this follow-up part that came after the sales copy, whether it was learning how to have those skills for themselves or whether it was asking and answering questions about how that copy fit into a wider sales ecosystem, if you will, that was the stuff that lit me up. I was like, Mm. oh wow, if I could just do this all the time, it would be incredible. Welcome to the Juicy CEO Podcast. Listen, it's time to give you some hard truths, so sit up and pay attention. If you don't know how to stand out online today, you have already lost. In order to create credibility, influence, and real staying power, you have to build a personal brand with some juice. So join me, personal brand strategist, coach, and breast cancer survivor, Monique Bryan, each Wednesday morning as I teach you all the tips and tricks I use to build my six-figure brand while in remission. 
It's time for you to get to that juicy CEO status by learning from some badass women in business who've been where you are, showing you that juicy CEOs are made, not born. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to get into the juice. Okay, guys, today I have the app. Absolute pleasure of interviewing someone who has been a part of my journey in the very early stages of business, but also is a badass business owner online. She is the very first copywriter who I've hired who actually got my voice. Like she is a wizard when it comes to words. And ever since, it's been amazing to watch her soar to new heights. And you're going to hear all about her story as we move forward. So let me introduce you to this juicy CEO, Katie Prince. Katie Prince is an ethical copywriting expert, sales strategist and trainer, host of the Study Notes podcast and founder and CEO of the Squirm Free School of Business. Her company helps service-based entrepreneurs master the art of squirm-free selling so they can increase their revenue and their impact without feeling icky or compromising who they are or what they stand for. Guys, I know all of you guys want to know about this because authenticity is the name of the game. The Squirm-Free School of Business is on a mission to set a new standard within the coaching industry free from pressure, shame, FOMO tactics, and gender-charged ickiness. Katie's work has helped thousands of students, including health and business coaches, course creators, designers, copywriters, VAs, to sell from a place of authenticity and ease, whilst dramatically increasing their scalability and income. She also lives in the vibrant city of Bristol, UK, guys. She is tuned from the UK. We are global with her husband and is dedicated. It is a dedicated pizza enthusiast like myself, I feel, but I think she's like even like taking the cake on that. And she is a huge Craig David mega fan, which I so appreciate. So Katie, welcome to the Juicy CEO podcast. I am so happy to be here. I cannot wait to have this chat with you. Oh my gosh, me too. We're like buzzing. You guys don't know. Katie and I are like longtime friends. We met early days of her business, early days of my business. And I'm so happy we connected and I'm so happy to still like have you like so much has happened in the world and so many things have changed and you've moved across the world. Well, I say back across the world and we still were able to keep in touch. So I I just really appreciate that. I don't take that lightly at all. Yay for the internet, right? Right. (laughs) And I'm so proud of all of your success. So I would love to start with your story because you've taken some like real big and interesting twists and turns to get exactly where you are today. And I think people need to know that. So tell us, tell us about Katie and her journey to where she is today. Sure thing. Well, as you say, we, we go back a bit. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I mean, you and I met when I was a fresh faced Brit, fresh off the plane looking around the big city of Toronto, going, where am I? Where should I go? What does Tip Hortons mean? (laughs) And we connected at Make Lemonade's co-working space, I think, originally. And around that time, so just kind of as a quick bit of backstory, as you could tell from my accent, I'm from the UK. And in 2017, I met my now husband on Tinder. And a few months later, he announced to me that, you know, we've been dating for a couple of months and he announced to me that he was going to be moving to Toronto, Canada to take a job. And 
I just, there was this little nudge that said, go with him. And I did. So I quit my sales and marketing job that I had here in the UK. And I went out to Canada with a suitcase and no plan whatsoever, (laughs) which I I would not recommend. Let me be clear. And so what happened was I spent my first couple of months in Toronto just trying to A, get my bearings in this massive city, B, connect with people and going to co-working spaces, places like Make Lemonade, finding communities, especially communities of women was kind of like number one on the list in those first few months. And to be honest, I I didn't have a big vision of, oh, I'm going to create this sales training company or anything like that. I didn't even know that I was going to fall into freelance copywriting. I just wanted to be surrounded by people who were doing cool stuff. And the best way to surround myself with them was to try and be useful to them. Mm. And so, yeah, I started picking up the very first piece of work I picked up was with a company who were running a Kickstarter campaign for a bra. And I wrote there, I ended up writing copy for their promotion video, doing a press release, doing loads of social media and writing a whole email campaign. They got the bargain of the century. Let me tell you, I did not know how to charge correctly yet. And yeah, they ended up doing like 70K with the Kickstarter. Oh my they God, that's incredible. And like Marie Claire and globally. And it's sort of that first project put me on the map and I ended up sort of putting myself out there as a, hey, I'll write stuff for you. It was very informal to begin with. And that is exactly what, how I found you. I was like, oh my gosh, she'll write things for me. But the the thing about you, like I was really drawn to your energy, you know? So I love that you were, you, you know, you came out like, I just want to be surrounded with people who are doing cool stuff and I'm just going to make myself useful. But just like your presence, I remember being, I don't even remember, I know Make Lemonade was hosting, like, I think it was like a girl boss rally viewing party. Yeah. I, I remember think that's that. where I first like encountered like or maybe the first time we had a conversation I just remember thinking she seems super fun she seems super cool I didn't even know you did yet and I think that just speaks volumes to to just like who you are because I feel like you're still like that like I don't have it that Katie's any different than that like you're wiser and your business is bigger but Katie's still Katie to me anyways and when I see you online I still feel like Katie is Katie which I think is a huge testament to like building one, being authentic, but also like that, to me, that's brand. Oh, I'm like getting, getting a bit emotional over here. We're, we may or may not cry before the end of this podcast. But <laughs> I mean, at the core of it, Mo, like I'm a massive keener. I'm mm. just, I just want to get amongst it and be, you know, I'm an extrovert. The last couple of years have been really hard in the P word. Not sure if we're saying the word on this podcast, but the I'm P word, it. the C word, whatever you've called it. And yeah, like I'm just, I love people. I love hearing what challenges people are dealing with. I love helping people express themselves. I love being able to bounce back and forth with people. I'm just a really keen and curious nerd at the heart of it all and if that's my brand then I'll take it (laughs) I love it keen and curious nerd I love it so while you so right now you have the scrum free business school right which is amazing but I would love to know like 
because you've taken some twists and turns and changed your business and found, like, would you say, I'm sure there will be more things you go on to create in the world, but I'm very curious, like, what had you, what happened that had you be like, this is the thing that I'm going to go all in on this thing because it's a big thing. It's a big yeah. juicy thing. It is juicy. <laughs> Whenever I hear the word juicy, I always think of you. And that's a testament yes. to you and your brand. It just makes me smile and salivate a tiny little bit. But, <laughs> but no, I'll tell you what it was. This is such a great question because I think a lot of people in their early days of their business put the pressure on themselves to think, oh, I have to have it all figured out. They have this idea of like, oh, I have like, I need to find the offer, the offer that I'm going to scale to a million or whatever it is. And my experience has been that you have the offer for now that you're selling for now that leads you on to the next thing. And to just kind of be open to the idea that you might not a hundred percent land on the thing you're going to do long term first time. It's or the second or the third. Yeah. Or the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth, right? Like (laughs) in my case too, because I was doing done for you copywriting, but what I had to learn was what I really loved was the moment where I would sit down and I would actually talk through, Hey, here's why I've chosen to do this. Here's why this works. And then I would watch the client's eyes pop out of their head and go, Oh, that's so smart. So wait, if I write this like that, that means that. And of course, silly, naive me, I would then just sit there in the handover meeting telling them how to write and edit their own copy moving forward. And then of course, you know, the follow-up questions will come of, oh, okay, so how can I get more people to actually opt into this? Or I'm booking loads of sales calls now that I've, you know, now that I've got this email campaign running, but how do I actually convert them? And all of this follow-up part that came after the sales copy, whether it was learning how to have those skills for themselves or whether it was asking and answering questions about how that copy fit into a wider sales ecosystem, if you will, that was the stuff that lit me up. I was like, Mm. oh, wow, if I could just do this all the time, it would be incredible. I love that. I love that it's like really just paying attention to just like how you feel. I'm sure you were paying attention to like the energy you were putting into it. Like you were, you would give a lot. I remember early and I mean, I think that's how we learn, but you would give a lot, a lot of yourself, a lot of, a lot of juicy nuggets. And that's what made it really memorable. But you were just really, I just remember you being really good at what you did. And I always admire people who are very good at what they do. Right. And I just remember wanting to be, I was, how do I have her as my permanent copywriter for the rest of my life? <laughs> and he tried to uh, kidnap me in the yeah. boot of her car once. It's fine. fine. That's it's not fine. Shame. <laughs> You know, and, and everybody who knows me would be like, yeah, that sounds like something she would do. And it's fine. She obviously escaped. She's in the UK now, far, far enough and in safety. So I would love to know, like, so your philosophy around selling is, I'm not going to, I could say it's unique, but. I also just the way you've positioned it is unique and I don't hear it a lot, which is you talk about like consent led selling, right? So I would love if you tell, tell everybody what that means. What does consent led selling mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe the best way to talk about this is to, you know, if you're listening to this right now, maybe it's a good time to just pause for a moment and think back to a time where you perhaps didn't feel comfortable selling your offer or service or you didn't feel comfortable asking for the money or maybe you had 
spent 40 minutes listening to a potential client on a discovery call. And then at the last minute, you went, oh, no, actually, I'm not. I'm not going to tell them about my thing for some reason. Or maybe you've, I don't know, drafted out the same DM three or four times only to decide, oh, oh no, I don't know what to say. And whether or not you've kind of experienced one of these sales blocks, a lot of the time, if you're sort of sabotaging your own opportunities, the reason that that's happening is because you on some level have a fear that you are going to be overstepping someone else's boundaries, right? Because if we reflect on a time where we didn't enjoy the process of being sold to, normally it was because someone tried to push us too quickly or too far. We showed signs that we didn't want to go any further with the sales process. And yet that person ignored those signs and overstepped our boundaries. And if you're feeling icky, chances are it's because you're worried about perpetuating this behavior and making someone else feel the way that you felt in the past. And the best way to get around this is really simple. It's to ask for permission. It's to ask for consent. And as we know all too well as women in 2022, consent is absolutely non-negotiable. And Mm. It's my belief that this can go for sales too. And this can mean, you know, this can, can mean lots of ways. So I'll give some examples. Essentially, in a nutshell, I'm talking about checking in at key milestones throughout your sales process and just pausing for a moment and asking for permission to continue. Hey, is this still all right for you? I, is it okay if I, because if the current strategy is to just wait look for a gap or an opportunity and then jump in like, surprise, here comes my pitch. Like that's going to be the opposite of consent-led selling and is when we're going to get into being pushy. So if you're going to be asking permission at various milestones throughout the sales process, it might look like in your DMs, it might look like just sending a message to say, hey, like it really sounds like this is something I could help you with. Would you be happy for me to share a link to my calendar with you? Rather mm-hmm. than just being like, oh yeah, here, like you should book a discovery call. Here's the link and just chucking it in there. Instead, you're creating a very small pause and just asking, Hey, would, would you be comfortable with this next step? Essentially, if you're at like a networking event, for example, have you ever been one of those networking events where people just before they've even made eye contact with you, they've like shoved their business card in oh your hand? Oh my God. That is totally the worst. It is the worst. Like I have like look at the card like this is like I don't even want to take it from you, but it would be rude. So I just take it and then I put it in my pocket and then we're never going to I can't hear you now. Yeah, exactly. Because you've, because they've gone too fast and they, and they Mm. didn't ask. But what a difference does it make when, you know, you actually genuinely connect with someone first, you make a bit of eye contact and then you say, Oh, would you be open to me sharing a bit about my business with you? Or, Hey, would you be open to staying connected? What's the best way to do that? Should I give, should I give you my business card or shall we Mm. connect on LinkedIn and just asking, Hey, how would you be comfortable to continue? And then, you know, on discovery calls, it might be you're going to do it a couple of times. At the beginning of the call, you're going to ask for permission to share an offer with them at the end. So it might sound like, hey, Monique, I'm so happy that we have 25 minutes on the calendar today. We are going to, 
you know, dive into the belly of your business and figure out what's going on. And at the end of the call, we're going to have a little discussion about what working together looks like. Is that okay with you? I mean, we're recording this on Zoom. We're recording. I'm already nodding. I'm like, yeah. But you can't help but nod because what a difference it makes, though, to have someone just check in and say, are you comfortable with this? So to me, that is what consent-led selling is all about, is remembering to slow down, to pause every now and again and refresh consent with the person, whether that is in writing, through your DMs, through your emails, whether that's in person, if you're connecting with people at networking events or at conferences or what have you, or whether that's in like a more salesy environment, like a discovery call or on a webinar. I love that. Guys, like those are amazing tips. Like word for word, you guys should be writing those things down and using them. There are things that you've said that I definitely use, but the DMs one was is is the challenge one for me. So I like how you frame that on the asking permission for the calendar link before you give them the calendar link. Because even sometimes you think that's what they're asking for, but if they haven't actually expressed that, it's a, it becomes it becomes very different than you saying, okay, I really think I could help you with that. Would it be okay if? And they can say no, right? But then everybody is on the same page, which is right. the point. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you're a bad, bad person or anything. If you do this, you do it because you're excited, right? Because you're what like, oh my gosh, we need to talk. I could totally help you. And yes. It's natural to be excited. And so... It can almost feel counterintuitive to put a little speed bump in because when a conversation seems to be going great, you're excited, they're excited, you're vibing. But honestly, like they will be so much more likely to actually follow through and book that discovery call or opt into that training that you're hosting or whatever that next step that you're offering them is if they have agreed to it in advance. A hundred percent. So talk to me a little bit about how you may coach someone or how you deal with with people who don't want to, who are afraid to charge what they're worth. Like, I'm sure this is like a huge, this is a hurdle for all business owners. At some point, there's a breakthrough that needs to happen or that does happen or that doesn't happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what's, what's some advice that you have around where people are like, I'm afraid to raise my prices. I mean, I think the first thing is, perhaps getting away from this idea that as a person running the business, like they're two separate things, right? That it's impossible to charge what you're worth as a person because your worth is beyond measure. Like no one's got a credit, li- credit limit that high, right? However, making sure that the price that you put out there is a true reflection of the value of the service and the outcomes that come from that service Like that's something that we can definitely get our teeth into because I think a lot of the time we, the reason that people put their prices lower than perhaps they'd like is they think that they're doing people a favor. They think they're being Mm. generous. They think they're being kind. And they have this idea that putting the price up is an unkind, ungenerous, un- you know, they, they think that people will misconstrue who they are based on the number that they have assigned to their service. And actually your niceness, your values, your what, you know, how you operate in the world is nothing to do with how the thing that your business sells is priced. They're completely Ooh. separate. Do you see? Uh-huh. Like they're two separate things. And I think that's the first piece. The second piece is this 
idea that it's generous to undercharge is complete nonsense. It's complete nonsense. And I would even argue it's the opposite. Because mm. think about what happens if, I don't know, let's say, let's take a spa weekend, for an example. Let's take a spa weekend. My favorite weekend. thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you can book a spa weekend at all kinds of price points, right? You can maybe book one in a five-star luxury, super bougie hotel with a two-night stay, fresh, fluffy bathrobes, and, you know, a bottle of champagne when you arrive, and, you know, just absolute oh. gorgeous decadence. And let's say that might set you back, let's just say $1,000 for the sake of this chat. And then you might be able to also book a spa weekend that is just as gorgeous, just as wonderful, but you get it on one of those Groupon or like coupon discount sites and you manage to snag it for, let's just say, a 100 bucks. You get a really, really great deal. And then that week, the week in the run up to your spa weekend, everything goes wrong, right? You've got, I don't know, a family member who has you running around to go and pick up their shopping because something's come up in their life. Something's come up at work and one of your clients is having a moment. crisis, a moment, <laughs> yes, and requires your assistance. And it gets to Friday evening and you're thinking like, oh my gosh, the last thing I want to do is get in the car and drive four hours up to this hotel. Isn't it so much easier to justify like, okay, well, I'm not, you know, it's a hundred bucks. It's a hundred bucks. Yeah. It's a hundred bucks. I can always book another one. That's a lot easier to justify, right? Whereas mm. if you've put a thousand dollars down, you've made a commitment. Like there's something really powerful about putting a significant amount of money down on something. It holds you accountable to actually go, no, do you know what? I saved for that for four months and I don't care what happened this week. I'm making it a priority to go because I'm not going to let that thousand dollars go to waste. Oh, I love that. That is such a perfect. That is exactly that's a, that makes complete and total sense. So anyone is on here who's thinking about like that, that having that price conversation, it's like I, I think I was saying this last week, like when people pay, they pay attention. But when you make that type of investment, you will show up. You're more likely to show up because you've got some skin in the game. You've got some skin exactly. in the game. So let people have skin in the game so you can go and run a successful business and they can get all the juice that you're offering. That's to everybody listening. It, need, it needs to be said. <laughs> yes, it needs to be said. It needs to be said because you think you're doing people a favor by undercharging, but actually no one wins. No one wins. You mm. don't win. Because you're getting paid peanuts for something that you should be getting paid based on outcomes. So, you know, what are the long-term benefits of doing that work with you? I mean, copy is a classic one. I used to chronically undercharge when I was doing copy because I was like, oh, well, it takes me, you know, three hours and a bit of thinking time and then another 90 minutes for the edit. Like, it's... It's a day out of my life in the big scheme of things. It's not a big deal. And that's how I was thinking. But I, what I wasn't thinking about was what the outcomes would be for the client when they actually took that copy and implemented it, it as part of their sales funnel. And if it meant that this new email campaign was going to book them, I don't know, eight out of every hundred email signups, they got onto a sales call and then of those eight, 
maybe six would show up and two or three would convert every month and they were selling a $5,000 offer. I was making them 15 grand a month off the back yes, of that were. email yes, campaign. Do you know what I mean? And so, and so don't think about like, I know it's so corny to say, Oh, it's not about your time. It's about the value. But when but I it's say about it's the about value. the value, that's what I mean. Like, what is, what is the outcome of working with you worth? And how can you price in a way that is respectful of that? I'm not saying mm. no one's going to pay me. 15 grand a month for this email campaign. Like that's not what I'm saying, but what if instead of you pricing it on, okay, well, it's seven hours of my time or six hours of my time and I'm going to charge $50 an hour, which is what I was doing. Instead, I said, okay, well, I'm going to charge them 10% of their ROI for their first month. It's 1500 bucks for the email campaign. And this is how I want people to think about pricing, not what you're comfortable with, but what is really going to hold the other person to account to actually see the work through and publish it. I love that. So if if people are feeling uncomfortable around selling, like what what are you saying? What do you really think like is missing for them or what should they be doing differently to change this so they are enjoying the process? Just to giving some joy back to I like to do it, but I there was a time I did not like to do it. <laughs> Why was that out of curiosity? Did you reflect on it? That? It was the same. Yes. I, it was the same thing. Like I felt I was undercharging and I felt like the amount of effort I was putting in to one, the discovery call. Like I was taking a lot of time trying to figure out what it is that you need. I would formulate the plan. I was like, okay, let's go and get this done. And then if they said no, I would take it as like a personal like attack. Like, I'm not good enough or they don't want me or my prices is to this. And after you get a few no's without, I wasn't even analyzing what was really happening because I didn't really know the sales process. I didn't really know. I didn't even know like the psychology of like the buying behavior, right? Like I didn't know how that was supposed to go and what people may be thinking. I was just like, oh, well, this isn't working. So I'll just change my offer or I'll, you know what? I'm going to shorten my discovery calls because I don't know why I'm on here all this time anyways, because they don't, you know, if they want it, they want it. If they don't want it, they don't want it. And I got just bitter. So then I couldn't show up happy and excited and with ease. And when that shifted, when I got my own sales training, I learned like, oh, this could be fun. This could be easy. And whether they say yes or no, it's not a reflection on me. It's just where they are right now. And that took some time. Yeah. And quite rightly too, because as you're sort of talking through this, there's a hell of a lot to unpack, right? <laughs> and and this is true for most folks because there is so much mess. There's so much mess enmeshed in that sales process. And it's one of the most vulnerable things you can do, quite honestly, is sell someone is to try and sell someone something because you're putting yourself directly in the face of rejection. And that mm. is a vulnerable place to be sitting. And I think I love the way that you phrase the question of how can it be fun? How can it be more joyful? And I think the answer is there has to be detachment from the outcome, first of all. Mm. And you sort of brushed on this in your experience and knowing that regardless of the outcome, you your offer, your business, your brand, your vibe, your, you know, how you look on the Zoom call, like everything is fine how it is. That is not the problem. Mm. People are on their own timelines. Every single person who you 
speak to is a complex human being before they are a lead, a prospect or a sale for your mm, business, right? I they love have that. so much going on in their lives. They probably have their own families, their own health issues, their own routines and timetables and challenges and what have you that uh, absolutely nothing to do with you and your sales process. You're such a tiny part of their day. And to remember that is a kind of humbling and B, it just helps you realize like, oh my gosh, it's not about you. But my number one tip, if someone is looking for more joy and more excitement and like a fresh energy around selling their thing, because if you have had a lot of rejection recently, like whew, it can feel like a bit of a slog to get back up and try again. And that's natural. You're only human. But for me and for my clients, we always want to make sure that you are fully sold on your own offer first. Because if you have doubts, if you aren't completely convinced that what you have is just the most valuable thing on the planet and is the bargain of the century, regardless of the price, then good luck getting someone else to believe that that's the case too. Mm. And so if there are a few steps that you can take, if right now your belief's a little bit shaky on what you, you offer, Number one, create a hype file for yourself. So go back through your DMs, through your, if you have like a client Facebook or Slack channel, something like that, go through and take screenshots of everything, every positive, like aha, every text message, every thank you email, every little voice note that's been sent to you. I will record voice notes out of my Instagram DMs. I'll record them on my like Apple notes. I can't remember what you call it. The the voice note app on on my laptop so that I can pop them in my hype file because no one is like, woo, I'm the best ever 24-7. Like it's just not like that, right? And so create a hype file and add and you know make contributions to it regularly every single time some positive feedback comes in. Because on those days where you're feeling like a bit, oh gosh, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Go and spend a couple of minutes before your sales call, before your webinar, just absorbing all of that proof, all of that evidence that what you do matters and what you do makes a difference. That'll be the first step. Hype file. I love that. I'm already thinking about my hype file. I'm like, I've got testimonial screenshots in my Canva, in my Google Drive, in my DMs. I was like, all that. Yes. Right. They're probably all over the place right now. And so it doesn't need to be pretty. It doesn't need to be like made into, it doesn't need to be formatted or anything. Just bung it in there, however it comes and know that you can dive in there and find some, yeah, some evidence that what you do is amazing and makes a difference. And then the second thing is to have a, have another little look at your messaging. Because sometimes, mm. as you touched on, the, the problem isn't like, oh, my, Someone said no. So therefore my offer is the problem. That's so often people's go-to explanation for why someone said no. And actually sometimes it's just the case that someone didn't understand how your offer would help them solve their problem. And there wasn't a clear link between their challenge, their goals, their desires, their roadblocks, all the things that they've told you about. There wasn't a clear link between those things and the way that your program or your coaching or your consulting or your VIP day works. And so part of our job as a salesperson is to be able to draw like 
little lines between, oh, your problem is this. We address this in this way. Oh, your challenge is that. Oh, we have just the thing to remove that roadblock and this is how it works. Oh, your goal is that. Oh, fantastic. Here are some case studies of how my clients have achieved similar goals. What questions do you have? Oh, your your desire is to feel this way. That's incredible. One of the reasons we set it up in this way is to facilitate those kinds of feelings and experiences. And if you cannot clearly articulate how working with you will positively impact your buyer's life in the long term, but also for those short term wins, then that might be why you're getting not even no. Sometimes it's, oh, I think I just need to think about this. Mm, that uncertain, lukewarm response, the on the fence response, this, which is the worst. I find that even worse. I'd rather you say yes or no, but the on, the, I would say, if you're sitting on the fence, that's where the most painful place is going to be. So a yes or a no, and either one I'm not attached to. Yeah. And some fun little questions. I mean, you know, this is definitely part of a wider like messaging exercise, but some fun little questions that you could start brainstorming on to kind of get you started with, you know, how can I just turn up the heat on my messaging a little bit Mm -hmm. is how, like, how does what you do differ from similar offers or solutions on the market? And how is yours better for your ideal client? And be as specific as you can. How is yours Mm. better and why? You can also speak to your own personal experience. So what is it specifically that made you decide to create or compile or design this experience for your audience, right? That's where people get to feel a little bit of your story in their future. It's very, very powerful. And also, like, let's just speak to the benefits straight up. What else is going to be better, easier, different? more fun after your client starts using or implementing what it is that you're selling them? What are those little incremental differences going to be in their days moving forward after they've mm-hmm. used or implemented what you've, yeah, what you've guided them through in your offer? Ooh, such juicy bits. I'm going to have to go back and listen. I was like, I'm not taking notes right now. So I'm going to go back and listen to all of that. That is very, very, that's super helpful. Thank you for that. Forgive that to the audience. Oh, everybody, everybody. I know some people are like, I was speaking to my my group yesterday around some of this and you're touching on a lot of these points that I'm like, ooh, I know exactly where I can send them now when the episode goes live. I love that. So I would love it if you talked a little bit about your school, the School of Business, Squirm Free. So I like tell people a little bit about like, what is it and like what it entails? Who is it for? I know you open and close applications. So I know people are probably like listening and looking it up. So we might as well just tell them. Yeah, absolutely. So the Square Free School of Business is like my big umbrella brand for all of the coaching and courses and resources that we create to help service-based entrepreneurs and their teams feel less squirmy about the business practices that they're embodying. Our signature program is called, formerly called Squam Free Sales Masters, about to relaunch as the Squam Free Sales Academy, which I'm very excited about. And this is a six month container for founders, for small teams, for 
agencies, for anyone who runs a service-based business model and who wants to build a set of transferable sales skills so that even as your business grows, as your team expands, as your offers go through, you know, the various iterations and pivots, which is totally natural as they do, you have that core set of transferable sales skills to always see you through. So Mm. our goal is for people to spend six months with us really intensely. We do lots of practical hands-on practice. We do breakout sessions where you can, you know, practice handling an objection with a member of our team and we'll give you in the moment feedback. We have a copy critique service so you can share like your sales page and myself and the team will go through and review it and give you pointers and give you feedback and Mm -hmm. give you stretches for your copywriting again in future and we're really about I know it's such a cheesy adage about teaching a person to fish but that's really the goal with Squam Free Sales Academy is for you to have sales skills that are truly transferable and that will serve you for the long term rather than just jumping on the latest marketing bandwagon because Instagram is not the answer any more than TikTok is not the answer any more than LinkedIn mm. is not the answer. It's about having those those core skills, those written skills, those conversational skills, those problem-solving skills so that you can hash the objections with people and also those presentation skills, right, so that you can host really powerful webinars or go the speaking route if that's your desire. And when you have those core skills, then you can do anything and you can be in it for the long haul. Oh, I love that. And yes, I totally agree because you can take it from business to business, you know, from idea to idea as you grow and scale. I love that. So we're definitely going to put a link to that in the show notes. One question I had, like personally, that I wanted to know was because I've got, I've had a chance to witness your growth. I'm curious. And some of it I think I know, but also I would love if you, if you're open to sharing just like what were some of the, I'm going to say either programs or skill sets you invested in along the way to put you where you are today? Because I think that's important for people. Myself, I want to know. I know there's things that you've done, but I would love to be, and you're, you are always investing in your growth. And I'd love to know like some of the things that you think have really helped you become the business owner you are right now. Yeah. Oh, I love this question. And I'm also going to exercise some radical honesty here. (laughs) I went through a period of time in 2019 where I thought all of the answers were outside of myself. I had a lot of growth very quickly between 2018 and 2019. And that year I had, I had cash for the first time. And I could invest in things like coaching programs and certifications and such. And I did. I spent a huge amount of money that year. Too much, to be honest. Hmm. And whilst there were absolutely valuable things that I took from like the coaching certification I did and some of the like mindset coaching I went through and I absolutely learned a lot, I already had a lot more of it inside of me than I thought I did. And if I was to say the most valuable, like truly the most valuable investment that I've ever made, it's been in my network. It's been in my mm-hmm. network. The best money I ever spent was on a co-working membership at Make Lemonade. Mm-hmm. And 
it wasn't the most, it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the biggest amount of money that I put down, not by a long way, but that the connections that I built in that community were, did far more for me personally and professionally and for the growth of my business than any coaching program could do, to be honest. And I think there is something to be said for having a network around you that really supports you in cultivating self-trust, self-assurance, being able to make decisions without worrying about what so-and-so over there is doing and how quickly they're growing or how big their audience is or how clever their funnel is. That's all great. And don't get me wrong, like those tools and skills are, and those, you know, access to those, I don't want to say like celebrity entrepreneur style leaders, they have value too. They do. But if I could strip it right back and I had to look back at the last sort of four or five years and, and say what's been the most valuable, hands down my network every single time. Wow. I love that. I love that. And I, and it was an unexpected response. Like that's not what I was expecting Katie to say. So that I feel like it's just perfect timing, even in my own journey, as I, we will talk offline about, but uh, I love that our network, our network. I don't know. The reason I say this now, I think is, you know, we're recording this in November 2021. We just spent 18 months in, well, in and out of doors, but a lot more isolated than we're used to. Mm-hmm. And no amount of like online courses are great. Online programs are great. Like I run one for goodness sake. And, <laughs> and so please don't misconstrue what I'm saying and, and think that I mean that they're not valuable because they absolutely are. But do you know what? When I reflect back on every single program or what have you that I put myself into, it's been the connections that I got from it that has truly been the most valuable thing. And it's only been in the last four to six weeks that I've started going out to real life in-person events again. And already, like not only is it doing wonders for my mojo, if you like, Mm -hmm. because as I said, I'm extroverted. The last couple of years have been really hard for extroverts. But I I went to an event last night, Monique, and this morning I have like 20 DM conversations on the go because I was able to connect with people who were like-minded, you know, and the the connection is instant. Cost me 20 quid to go to that networking event, you know, and they fed me and I got two drinks tokens. So, Oh my gosh, only in the UK. (laughs) I know, right? I mean, I don't even drink. I was like, I'll have a Heineken Zero, please. Um, <laughs> not an ad. And you know what? Like that, I know that that 20 quid and 90 minutes of my life is probably going to pay back much more than the $16,000 one-on-one coach who was massively overrated that I invested in. And I'm winking at you because you know, that may be or not. Um, yeah, yes. anyway, yeah, you know, uh, I love that. Well spent. Get out and meet people. There is no, there's no substitute for it. There's no shortcut for it either. A hundred. Oh, and there is no shortcut for it. It's like, we've got to be, we've got to go build those connections. There's no other, you can't fake that. There's no fake in that. And once you find them and you build them, it's like, there's nothing else like it. Right. It, I mean, like, look where we're at. Look how many years it's been since. 
I think we met in 2018. So, you know, and we're just getting started. Hello. Just getting warmed up, aren't we? We just get warmed up. So Katie, this has been an amazing conversation. I love to hear where you're at. I love to hear what you're building. I love your passion. Anyone who's listening and this is your first time hearing about Katie, like go follow her online. You're just going to get nothing but like education and jokes. Like I love watching your Instagram. You are hilarious. But even more so, I love getting your emails in my inbox. There are very few emails I open, but Oh, she's so good. Every time I want to unsubscribe, because I'm like, oh, I get too many emails. I feel like she has great titles. It makes you want to open them. You write these long, engaging emails that I'm like, Monique, you're sitting here reading this whole story and you can't wait to get to the end. And there's always a lesson, but it's an entertaining story. It's like reading like these little mini blog posts in my inbox. So that's all that's a plug guys go everybody go get on her email list so you can get all of these fun stories they are great there are some things i'm just like what is katie up to (laughs) that honestly means so much because i think that yeah you're right people's inboxes are more jam-packed than ever but i do send great emails and you you should definitely subscribe to them and they've got gifts Oh, and, we and got, they've got yes, we got oh. memes. We've oh. got confessions. We've got wild stories like the time I made lasagna or the time that my car windscreen wouldn't demist. It's, you know, it's a million miles an hour, but no, it is fun. <laughs> and it makes me want to be more creative with my email marketing as well. And sometimes we, I overthink it. And then I read like your email. I'm like, oh my gosh, that a funny thing happened to me at Starbucks the other. I should write about that and incorporate it. But you do it so flawlessly. So keep doing what you're doing, Katie. We love you. We appreciate you. And tell everybody where is the best way to connect with you. Oh, thank you so much. Best place to connect with me is if you want to connect with me personally, it's Katie Prince. I'm Katie with a Y and that's Prince like Prince Harry. <laughs> so it's Katie Prince on Instagram, on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And also, if you want to follow all of my tips about squirm free sales, then go ahead and follow me on Instagram. Squirm free school of business is where we host all of our sales tips and yeah, that squirm free content. So definitely check that out. We also have a new website, which hopefully should be launched by the time this goes live. Go to squarefreeschoolofbusiness.com. If it still says waiting, jump on the wait list, but otherwise enjoy and get stuck in. <laughs> I love that. And we will link to all of that in the show notes. Katie, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we appreciate you. And I can't wait to see all of the juice that you continue to build. Thanks so much for having me, Mo. This has been a blast. If you enjoy this episode, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss the juice every single week. And if you thought this episode was super juicy, it would mean the world if you gave it a five-star rating and left a review over on iTunes so I could keep bringing the juice to more people who need it. And if you want to win some juicy swag, I want you to take a screenshot of this episode from wherever you're listening, then post it to your stories and tag me over on Instagram at MoniquePrian underscore co. That's Brian with a Y and you will automatically be entered to win. Until next time, my lovelies, keep building that brand over a business and raising your juicy CEO status.